Hi right, guys, welcome to Razor Riffs. Uh, subscribe, brain review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all that jazz. Uh, again, Alan Lee will not be here. He is missing a couple episodes due to a personal matter. But I'm still here, and it's my show, so uh, rock and roll. We have a great show. Uh, we got this one through uh, a good buddy of mine, uh, Norm McDonald, I should say, is the co-producer of today's episode. Uh, he got this guest for me, and uh, the great Bob Saget. You guys have seen him from Full House, Fuller House, Entourage, America's Home Video. He was the director of Dirty Work, and he wrote a book called Dirty Daddy. And he also has a Comedy Central roast. Very, very funny. I'm really looking forward to talking to him. And I hope you guys enjoy it. If you guys did like it, subscribe, rate, review, share some love honest feedback uh, if you didn't like it tell us why you know uh we're in this all together we're quarantined and we're rocking and rolling i do have one stand-up date booked at the ha ha comedy club in north hollywood on friday may 14th 2021 at 8 p.m so if you're free uh, come see me uh it'll be fun It'll be my fourth show all year. So I'm really looking uh, forward to that and all that jazz. All right. Uh, we're going to jump right into an interview with Bob Saget. Enjoy, guys. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey. Hey, Bob. How are you? Here we go. All right. Excellent. Oh, hold on. Uh-huh. It'd be good for me to plug in my audio. Ah, oh, How thanks. are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's good to finally uh, meet over Zoom. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank, uh, thank you for saying yes. I couldn't say no. Norm says <laughs> this is a friend of mine, and hey, it's a friend of mine, Saget, and also how what a remarkable guy you are and so i took me a second to check it out and i went thank you for having me on oh no worries i've been trying to get you on for like four years so why did wow you should have reached out i would have i would have been here i i tried mr o'brien oh god yeah maybe he didn't get it it's possible yeah Um, yeah so well like i don't don't know I, like and to be honest, I I didn't like ask Norm to ask you. It just came up in conversation. I don't feel comfortable asking friends for favors. Like oh, that. but don't yeah. worry about it. No, yeah. I was happy to do it. And Norm is, you know, Norm's the real deal. You know. Yeah, I love Norm. At first, I thought he was pulling my leg when he did it. <laughs> no, he was like, "Hey, Saget," and you know, I read the text and I hear his voice. I don't know how that happens. Same here. Same here. How is uh, Irvine Improv opening week for comedy? Huh? It's been, I, I had an interesting week last week. I, I did five shows uh, and all of them were consequential and wonderful. I opened up in Atlantic City, the Hard Rock, uh, their their arena, uh, at Tess Arena with my buddy, Mike Young. I love and, Mike, yeah. Uh, Mike is great. And uh, he was over uh, last night. It was, it's his birthday. So uh, 
we celebrated the fact that he's he looks 40 and he's older than 50, but I'm not supposed to share his age. Anyway, Do people still not know who he is. Who people people Mike. know who the F is Mike Young now. They're starting to all things comedy has been, you know, they put out his his little concert thing that he did. And uh, he's doing really well. He's got a movie he's about to direct. Um, and Are it's, you going to be in this one? Because you're no. a stand up guy. Yeah, I was. I'm not going to be in this one. He, he's got a got some I think he's got some casting to do yet, but he's uh, he's really good. You know, and the more you direct, obviously, the better you get at it. And he is he's just really good. But we we did this um, seven thousand seat place that only by law was uh, one thousand people or under that maybe eight hundred I don't know but we did two shows where we would normally do one right. and we did two shows because of safety that was uh, just uh, you know a week and a half ago on a Saturday night and it was the first uh, event that they had in Atlantic City with headliner comedy uh, or performing and. It, it was um, amazing. It was amazing to be able to be back. And then on 420, I did a pot show um, with a whole bunch of comedians on the yeah. rooftop of a hotel in San Francisco. And it was also streaming. If people bought tickets put on by Burner, who is the guy that uh, owns Cookies, which is like the biggest pot distributor in the in the free world. And nice. uh, I'm not a partaker because I went. I did enough in the early 80s, so I'm, right. I'm good. I'm good. And you and moved then, on to cocaine anyway, right? Well, just in the movie. But um, <laughs> early 80s were in L.A. There was a lot of stuff floating around. But right. um, And then just did the Irvine Improv with Mike, and we sold out four shows. And it would have been actually sold out to the max, but you can't you have about, about half the amount of people that you want to have but um in a real world but but this world it was just fine and the audiences were amazing and we're planning a bunch of dates i mean i've got a you know looking at my schedule some places can't open as quickly as they were yeah. going to dates have to move like portland was going to open but then they had to stop indoor because of the numbers of illness and um so they got to do what's safe and 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 legal so um california is opening up some places and um a lot of people are coming to me because i'm not my, my stand-up's different uh because every seven years i turn into something else anyway right. just because i'm an artist no matter what people want to want to proclaim me i but, think you're um, an artist well you are too <laughs> we are i mean yeah. if you're a comedian and and you're you're writing something down or you're thinking of something and you put it out there um, that's not just craft and that's not just narcissism it is for some people but not from what i've seen of you yeah. and hurt and heard it's it's an art it, it's it's a wonderful thing we get to do yeah. so it's different i'm not uh people are gonna be some people will be disappointed i'm not as dirty because they think i'm all of a sudden gonna be so profane because they see crystallized moments on the internet from 15 years ago or they'll watch one special that i did you know on hbo that was like whoa bob what, what were you doing and Do you I, think that's I don't know he's from audiences members though like since they saw that they're like okay he was he was dirty in that one special he'll be dirty you know what i mean well it's funny every special i've done and i i got grammy nominated for one of them called uh that's what i'm talking about and it was funny when i was doing my last special uh zero to 60 i was i said after you do a couple shows and, and record them and then you cut the stuff together sometimes from 
usually you do use something from another show when you're making a special. And I said to the producer backstage before I went on after the before the first show, I said, I'm going to be cleaner tonight. I'm not as blue. And I got off stage. He went, that was clean. (laughs) (laughs) That one still had more of an R rating to it. I'm not. I'm feeling different. You know, Um, the pandemic has changed all of us. And it's changed the audience and it's changed us. And they, some people are yelling stuff out, you know, tell the aristocrats. It's like, no, that was never, if you watch the movie, George Carlin says, don't tell this. I I did it one time at a college, which was received well, because it was a magical night. It was just a weird night. And it's not something that is anywhere near what our culture should be hearing right now. And I'm just, I think I'm finally at this place where throughout my show whatever the show is people go is your same act when people say that to me it's like what are you a juggler same act yeah yeah i do a unicycle and (laughs) i don't know i fart out of my ear (laughs) yeah it's just it it's um it's a lot of new stuff to talk about i mean and it's a and i'm telling more stories i don't want to analyze myself but it's new stuff you know some and then i do some old familiar things music wise i'll do a, a song or two that people want to sing along because they know it from specials and stuff that's the audience stuff especially if you have some music that you do comedy music but it's a lot of changes uh it's it's a different uh, i'll be very excited to put this into special uh, you know do a special out of it but in the meantime i'm just in the moment loving stand-up you're also doing a, a podcast too. You got the podcast uh, bug, and I listened to a couple interviews, and I thought it was great. Thank you. Uh, who, I've done I think ninety shows I've done. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's a year. Last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I started. I I closed the deal to do it before Corona pandemic, before any of it, before we knew what it was, even though it existed. Anyway, there was a form of it. Anyway, I know that for a fact because my guest coming up is dr john lapook um cbs chief medical correspondent and over a two-hour podcast i i all the questions that just normal human beings no matter what you believe if you want to hear some truth if you're capable of some truth uh which i think most people are i think most people are and people that may not you know, people that are hesitant to taking the vaccine, things like that. It's just plain English from an incredibly intelligent man who's a real doctor, 67 years old, still has a practice. He's on CBS this morning, 60 Minutes, um, yeah, the CBS Evening News. He is the guy that will call up everybody at the NIH, CDC. And so, yeah, Fauci just told me this and, and names that sometimes some of the doctors turn people off when they hear the names. It was just a really interesting what I love about doing a podcast is I was kind of born to do it. It took me a while to really get the idea of it. Yeah. How long have you been doing it? I've been doing it for six years, but I only do like 10, 15 episodes a season because I, I only know so many people. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean but you should, you could do as many as you want. I mean, yeah, you could yeah. have. But like it, I get like, I get. I get a lot of no's before I get yeses. You know, I, mean, I think that, uh, that that's just the business. But I think after so many no's, it's like, all right, I'll take a break for six months or something. You know? Well, you could have anybody on. I mean, look at how Tom Green started back in the day. You just have his buddy on. You know, yeah. they would just sit and talk. Um, I mean, you're really good at it. And, and that's, it is interesting what happens when you do 
six years or something. Yeah. You, like you get the vibe of it. Yeah. Um, the question I had about your podcast is who's someone that you would want to interview that you don't know that you think would be really cool to interview? It's interesting that I don't know because I name drop a lot. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, someone that I don't know. It's interesting because um, they have to speak English, right? Like, yeah. you know, Putin would be a great get, you know? I think I'd be great with him. I think he probably loves dick jokes, you know? <laughs> I don't know how to even say dick in Russian. I'll call Yakov Smirnov. Yakov will tell me how he says it. Um, it'd be interesting to... Um, I love musical people, you know? Yeah. Those are the people, people that a lot of people have been able to be in the presence of, I probably would enjoy talking to Paul McCartney or um, actually would like to talk to Eminem, but I have friends that have access, but I mean, there's different people that I also, that are so legendary and important. Um, it's hard. It's hard. It probably would have like 10 people that would come to mind. Yeah. You, you really caught me off guard with your <laughs> podcasting expertise. Was that a good question? Because I a great I question. Like I'm I'm stumped. <laughs> well, I could talk to Springsteen forever, you know. Oh yeah. Um, there's certain directors that I could talk to forever that I would love to talk to Scorsese or, or I could talk to Coppola about Godfather one and then going to two and then and then um, I had Joe Montaigne, uh, who was Joey Zaza from yeah. Godfather 3. So I got to get a little bit of Godfather 3 insight. I'm just thinking of people that I just look up to um, in the world. There's writers and there's, you know, I guess Eckhart Tolle I'd like to talk to because probably answer all my questions, but they're in his books. So and, and, and people that have had hardship. I always find really appealing that I've gone through a hard time. Yeah. I would love to have Letterman. I asked, um, you know, you've, you've got to have a top 10 something to have Letterman come near you. Right. Um, I was a guest uh, on his show. He was very gracious to me many times. And I knew him when I started doing stand up. He was one of the first MCs at the comedy store that brought me on stage because I'm 120. But he um, he is somebody I would love to have a, a conversation with to catch up but someone i catch up on 40 yeah. years but um someone it's a good choice though i i love i love him who else would i would i want to talk to um you know a lot of people that aren't alive i'd like yeah. to talk to that, that's some of my favorite people um trying to think you know after this year i mean just as a, i would love to work with or talk be lucky enough to work with david fincher you know certain people that i just look up to, to their work yeah. um but there's a lot of writers hmm it's it's a you you've opened up quite a i mean <laughs> you you open up a whole can of oh my headset fell out I like to talk to someone that can per, put permanent earbuds in they always fall out you're you're what audio are you using you're just going off the computer yeah yeah and then i edited on a Wiz, it's a podcast app. It's called Wizards or, or something. So right, right. Because yeah. I used to go to a studio, but then the pandemic. Hell, 
Oh, yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, that's an interesting one, right? <laughs> but uh, the, the reason why I asked that question, because I was trying to see if you said someone I know, so maybe I could return the favor for it. Oh, God. <laughs> maybe it is somebody you know. Um, the only musician of... I know is Paul Williams. Well, that's pretty damn good. I could get him to do it for you. I met him once. He was quite charming. I interviewed him. He was awesome. And he's funny and he's smart. Yeah. Uh, he saw me do stand-up at Irvine, actually, because that's my home club because I live right here. Oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. So, How come you didn't come to the show? Uh, to be honest, I'm broke. <laughs> oh, I, I would have, But that's why I would have got you in it. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You wouldn't have paid for nothing. You could have <laughs> had all the nachos and booze. <laughs> no but no i'll definitely uh i'll send you paul's info he'll do it he's a friend of mine so it'll be cool uh i go i want to respect your time so i have a lot of questions oh, I'd like hey, don't worry about my time let's see what time it is i don't even know what i have i have stuff i gotta do but i think but i laid time aside for you because I, I want you to but thank you oh, awesome. for being so conscious of my of my time um we're at 220 so Oh, I, 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 I could talk a lot longer than that. All right, cool, cool. How do you pronounce your first name? Uh, Keith, K-E-I. Oh, it, well, I don't know why it says, uh, how do you pronounce your last name? Reza. That's oh, what I wanted to know, because yeah. it, it's so funny. It doesn't say Keith. It says Reza Riffs. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's the name of the podcast. <laughs> there you go. See? <laughs> Yeah. I just I copy and paste, and then I don't know what the hell's going on, Keith. Uh, I call oh, it's it, so hard to be me. I call it Razor Riffs, but it's spelled wrongly. It's not spelled R-I-F-F-S. It's spelled R-I-F-T-S, which is like a river rift. And like part of my humor is like wordplay type humor, so that's why I thought it would be funny at the time. It is funny because it's almost past tense of riffing. <laughs> it's almost like you riffed. <laughs> Or you you riffs, yeah. but um, <laughs> that's bad English. But yeah, wordplay is like you know people give wordplay a bad name and they're they're not uh, smart because yeah. because word. But again, it's depends what language you're speaking in. But English wordplay is where puns come from, and yeah. it's where Groucho came from. And people hate dad jokes, but that's because they're not trying to think of anything to say that's funny. They just want to be a critic. Okay. So, I, you know, I, I've always tried to combine a dad joke with something dirty. Um, and for no reason, except everybody told me not to say that when I was 10. Right. So that's kind of where that even came from. And then <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, I was a dad on TV on family show. So I'll show you. That's, that's not where it came from. It just came from what I found funny. But uh, unfortunately, I had a very sick sense of humor because the world is so shitty for so many people yeah. um, that that's where I get even darker with my humor. And I think that's what, that's what happened over the past 30 years as I be, as I became a pro as a comedian performer, and then went through different incarnations of what my voice was along with a lot of people that I kind of paralleled with how we evolved from I was talked about this recently, but I listened to Sarah Silverman on her podcast was talking about, there's a lot of stuff that I did. She said years ago that I would never do now. Right. Uh, and that's just the way it is. And, and yeah, we are in a, 
mind yourself more, be more considerate, think of who you're affecting when you're saying things nonchalantly and gallantly, like you could care less. I care too much, which is kind of why I would do horrific jokes. I think it's all about the time too, like the time structures. Like for example, like there's some movies in the nineties and the early two thousands that can never be made today. A billion percent. I mean, look at, I mean, I had had the pleasure of talking to Carl Reiner about making of the jerk, Steve Martin's first movie and subject matter in it could not be done today is what Carl was saying. And to me, it was the least racist. It was a, a anti-racist message in that time frame, done it at that time. And Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks has said he could not make that today, which he could not. And because it's, you know, it would come off that way to people when the intention was anti-racist. Right. But and then people find themselves going, God, I wish I hadn't have done that back then across the board with a lot of things. But I can say that about a lot of different things anyway. And people, when I have the honesty and openness to go, boy, or I'm in an interview and I go, boy, that was uh, in you know a wrong thing that I did, or I wish I hadn't done that, or that was inappropriate. Inappropriate didn't mean what it means now. Inappropriate right. now means you're saying you're guilty of something. Uh, you know, talking about something and acting on something are two different things, but words matter as part facetious, but also it's the truth. Yeah. So I've had to, had to come to Jesus with a lot of things of be considerate of people's stuff. And yeah, I would love to get a dry erase board with some of the stuff I've done. Does it hold up today for some people? Um, but I don't like if people take it the wrong way. And instead of me commenting on something by bringing it out, like I used to, they would take it as misogynistic or cruel when it was meant to be the opposite. But that's how can yeah. you, if you have to explain it, it ain't working. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it doesn't hold up. So I'm, I'm really happy with how standup is for me right now. Cause I'm like getting reborn again. It really is like that when I'm coming out and the audience is there and you know what you get from an audience. It's, it's a two way street, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've only done three shows this year. Uh, so right. like, you know, I mean, I, I, that's I a lot more than yeah. most people. <laughs> I don't have the, the career of doing it like every single week, like I did, you know, but like, I'm hoping I think guys like me, it'll be harder to get back into it because, you know, I'm not a headliner. I'm a feature MC. So I think, like, it'll be harder to get those spots. And, you know, because headliners, they got to get their, get in. You know what I mean? So I don't know yeah. what I'm trying to say. But I'm well, just trying I to think say. you just need to, you know what you got to do? A friend of mine says the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So yeah. you just have to be a little pushy and just say, can I be on that show? Can oh. I, can I host that show? Can I open that show and call the club, uh-huh. you know, and just say, I want to be part of that. And next time you're in Irvine, I'll, I'll, I'll write you. <laughs> oh, say, hell yeah. Can I, can I, I don't, oh, I usually go Mike and me and I usually don't have a host, but I'd make an exception in your case. Oh, I, you're I would have you, but you, you wouldn't do that. You do like five and then yeah. you'd, uh, in between. 
Yeah, that, that, that'd be easy. It'd be my pleasure to do that. And you've got it on, on recording, so you know it's real. <laughs> I love we, you. We have I evidence. Have a we're going to be best friends now. Well, this is that. It's going to be like, what about Bob? You're going to be at my house. It's going to be like, <laughs> you know, Norm goes, hey, I got this great guy. And it's a practical <laughs> joke. Norm plays on people where he hooks a stalker up with all of his friends he wants to get even with. If we're being honest, that's probably how I became so tight with Norm because I have Asperger's and um, it's a social disorder. So like, I think. Oh, I I know what it is. The first time I heard it, I I was horrific as my old style of comedy and did a joke about it. And you probably have done the joke. Have you done the joke? (laughs) If not, I wish you would, because I can't do it. Uh, What's what's the joke? You don't want a restaurant that's called that (laughs) because those burgers are not good. Yeah. <laughs> they don't taste good because that's let me scratch my nose for good luck um i mean you can say that i can't but yeah. i did but it's laughing at disease um sure ain't funny but that's why so many comedians would do a cancer joke 15 20 years ago they would do it because they were affected by it you know if you have the disease it's an easier thing to do yeah, I mean, I would say 90% of my comedy is talking about it. Oh, so. well, and you never did that version of the, of the breaking down of the, but you do wordplay. Yeah. Asperger's, I don't know. You should yeah. say you're I'm a really good cook. You make <laughs> Asperger's. I'm basically the John Cusack of stand-up comedy. I just say anything. Oh, I see what <laughs> you're saying, because that's the name of his movie. Yeah. So. I thought you were going to say you're incredibly radical. <laughs> I follow um, him just to see how rebellious he's going to get that day. <laughs> you know, I'm how uh, mad at the system. But but back to stalking, that's probably how I became friends with Norm because I think for three years, you know, I was more stalkery. And then, like, we started to hang out and stuff. And then he started to get me and stuff. And then we just, it, like, his friendship's the best friendship I have. That's sweet. And, you know, Norm's a sincere guy. That's what people don't know. I mean, he's, well, you know it, but he's got a a huge heart and um, it's actually oversized. It's a foot big in diameter. Um, (laughs) He wanted me to ask you about his roast. Yeah, my roast. Yeah. His roast of me was, um, before that, before, I'll talk about it, but before that, um, I'll talk about it first. Um, Okay, he... Um, you know, I got roasted on Comedy Central. Um, yeah, I, I watched have, it the other night. Did you laugh? Does it hold up? I, 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 I did, and I actually, like, part of Asper's, like, I have a great imagination, so while I was watching it, I was writing roast jokes in my head, thinking, okay, I'll roast Saget 15 years later. Right, and that's so, something, I, I hate roasting. <laughs> I hate being roasted. I hated every minute of it. <laughs> uh, what what uh, Gen Z did is they watched it. Some asshole put something out on YouTube saying that the jokes are real and, uh, and they don't understand what a roast is. So nobody gets what a roast is. Right. Uh, you don't usually do jokes about something if it's real, if it's against the law. And, you know, if it's something yeah. <laughs> you'd be in prison for uh, rightfully and justifiably. So... It's a very sad world we're in where people will hear a roast and think that's the news. Yeah. So what happened was Norm was smart 
and called me and said, Saget, I don't want to make funny. You're my friend. Bad impression. But he said, you're my friend. I'm not to do it. I said, well, don't make fun of me. Just curse a couple of times and say I'm a piece of shit and just do what they do at Rose. That's what you do. Um, and he said, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm going to read from an old 40s joke book. And then that's what he did. And the jokes were not really hitting because the, the thing was, he it's brilliant what he did because Norm is brilliant. Genius, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's only one Norm MacDonald. And so he probably did about 20 minutes in total. And I think it's like 12 minutes or eight. I don't know what it is in the final uh, roast. But I think it's uncut somewhere on, on the World Wide Web, which is the destruction of civilization. But, but he was so funny because of who Norm is. And throughout the whole roast, he sat there and read the sports section. Yeah. That's what he did while everybody else talked. Because he's, you know, what did, what did he need to be around a roast for? I'm going to read, see what horses are winning, you know? <laughs> And so what teams, so he um, started to do jokes, you know, you got a face like a flower, cauliflower. And then when he goes, I'm, I'm saying you got a fucking dog face. Okay. When he cursed, cause I had suggested he did. I told him, please just curse. If it doesn't go well, please curse. And Norm and I have a special relationship because there's somebody that, uh, on Twitter that said, Bob Saget never does a podcast where he doesn't mention that he directed Dirty Work. So that's, you know. But that's the, one of your highlights. Though. Well, but yeah, but uh, I, I, I am known as to, by myself and others as too much of a name dropper. And it's just, it's a bad thing to do. But um, I don't know. It's part yeah. of my, I think it's part of my wanting to be accepted uh, neuroses. You know, like you told me, hey, I got Paul Williams in my pocket and you can have him. He's little, he can be in your pocket. Um, but with Norm, um, he, you know, he did finally curse and that's when some of the crazier laughs happen. And then he got real sincere. So it was interesting because the audience didn't know where he was going. And that's what I love about him so much. Yeah. And I was not comfortable being at the roast. Greg Giraldo, who shouldn't be dead, he was so brilliant and so wonderful. And um, he was a great best, comic, too. Great yeah. comic, great comic, and an amazing roaster, right? So the way it went down for real is I'm sitting there, and Joel Gallon, the producer, I'm watching Greg, and he says, I look like uh, the Vlasic pickle stork with my pointy beaky nose and my granny glasses and and then they, they cut to me and i'm like horrified i was horrified <laughs> um because i'm going yeah yeah i do look like that you know i'm just hating myself right <laughs> and so the the first ad comes over and he's wearing a headset and i know him because he used to work on america's funniest home videos and he yells for the whole audience to hear joel says try to look like you're enjoying yourself <laughs> and so everybody heard that and I went like <laughs> people are listening man people heard that so then I do this I'm like you know and I'm smiling and then I get criticized for laughing at jokes that are completely offensive and horrific right so you know no one knows what anything is people talk out of their asses you know they're just the critics the critic people because everybody 
with two followers has the voice of a million now, you know, in their mind. Oh, yeah. And they have the right. They have the right. But I also have the right to block them because I don't want to see no more negative shit. I, I already have my own. I know what my problems are. <laughs> so that that was um, a rose that's running now. Uh, yeah. I guess it's whatever whatever streaming service is running it. They started running all the roasts. But I, I, I caught a bit of shit from that from people that don't know what a roast is and don't know who I am and don't know what kind of person I am. And, um, you know, it's whatever, you know, whatever people do. You know, people, they're, they're disappointing sometimes what the IQ level is. But um, Well, if it makes you it, feel any better, I thought it was a great roast because I thought everyone on it was funny. And I think, like, that's the most important thing about comedy is being funny. So if people were offended to it, then, you know, that's on them. You know what I mean? Yeah, co co correct. But it also does that roast of mine in particular, because of some of the things that were said that I didn't want said. Yeah. And I can't even talk about that. You know, I can't talk about it because I didn't want things said about people that I care about. Um, uh, so those are my friends. Yeah. It was John Stamos, one of, like my brother. I mean, everybody that performed at that roast um, Greg, I had just gotten to know and we were going to start hanging out and then you know, we lost him. Um, but he and the others, Brian Pesain, I didn't really know that well, but I, I adore him. But He's everybody hilarious. else I, I knew and Jeff Garland and I had known each other, but we've become very close since that roast. Yeah. Uh, but everybody else, Lovitz and uh, Gilbert, Gilbert, who is... Uh, who really deified me in the roast. <laughs> did, you, did you see uh, he's trending right now? Because uh, I guess someone booked him on Cameo to uh, say the Mortal Kombat theme song. Right. So he, he says it and they put his Cameo in the music video. And he's like, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so like he's like singing the entire song. I thought it was... Oh, that's good. So he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> no, no. But like someone, whoever booked him on Cameo was a genius to putting it you know, I don't know if that's even legal to do. No, but, it's I mean. not. I don't think you realize <laughs> that if you do that, you can actually say, I'm sorry, I can't do this. You have to go through my agent, you know? It was still funny, though. <laughs> right. Well, I noticed people playing video games are me. They use yeah. me as an avatar. And then I'll see that. And I go, well, are they criticizing me? What is this? And I realize, no, I'm a character. And then I'm winning. I'm losing. You killed him. And then, it, then it, of course, every year it comes out that you're dead, you know. Oh, it's trending, you're dead. And I'm, yeah, it's trending, a lot of people are dead, but I was on that show, <laughs> I was on that TV show last night, so I don't think I'm dead. And yeah. if anybody has the uh, Wi-Fi or a phone, <laughs> they could Google my name and just hit news, and you'll find out that I did something yesterday. You know, I just did a movie. <laughs> He's not dead. Are but you nobody curious to know Googled. what your moves are, though, in the video games? Like your special hidden powers and stuff? I could not give a shit. But um, <laughs> do you play? No, I was just thinking that'd be cool, like a Saget kick or something. I don't I'm sure it's good. I'm, I, I can do a kick. When I was back years ago, I had a trainer, and all I did was trying to be a kickboxer. And all I did was basically kick a bag and kick his hands with pads on them. I didn't fight anybody. I, didn't, I wasn't in a ring. Yeah. You know, it wasn't anything. So, uh, but I, I got a strong kick. At that time, I, 
I had a trainer that was so stupid that he was, he found out with my chicken legs, I could lift 600 pounds. Uh, I could bench 600 with my legs. So uh, I would lay up, lay back on the thing and then push the weight up. And it was 600 pounds. And I do six reps and he go, look what he did. And then, you know, five years later, my knees started to blow out. And then people go, well, that's because your trainer did that because you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, you're supposed to start low, right? And stay low unless you've got muscular legs like, you know, like a sumo wrestler. But I never did. Um, I had chicken legs. So I had surgeries on both knees and bone charge shot off. And But it, it doesn't stop me from being able to do stuff. I'm into Pilates now because that's like, <laughs> you know, you lay on a, bit, on a flat bed and you yeah. got to, it's like literally like you're in traction. It's fun. And- they also have like the bike at home that you connect to your iPad. What's that? Called? Right, the Peloton. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. So, what do you do? Do you take walks? Do you go out? Well, I do walk my dog who's sleeping right now. But um, what kind of yeah, dog you got? I have a beagle. Oh, that's that's amazing. I don't know one person with a beagle. Yeah. You got his Snoopy. Name's, his name's uh, Boomer. So uh, a baby Boomer kind of thing. Yeah, we got him two years ago, and we, we got him because my other beagle just died. And we we got him, I think, just to, like, because the pain was just so bad, and, like, we needed another dog, so we got Boomer. And it's weird how, like, the love for Gano, who's my first dog, named after the Violent Femmes, and, uh, like, we still love him, but, like, Boomer's just really brought the joy back into our heart. That is so important. I had a King Charles Spaniel named Alan, and he died of cancer after nine years. I tried to keep him alive for a year with chemo and radiation. I could have bought a car, you know? It was so expensive to get him chemo and radiation. Yeah. I should have just bought a car. But <laughs> but I, I feel now for my daughter's, I have three daughters that I should have replaced him and done what you did. How, how long of time passage from your last dog to Boomer? To be honest, it was maybe two weeks. Like I, That I just, is so smart. That's like you break up with somebody and you yeah. got the other person on speed dial, the yeah. new person. That's like, that's, you know, it's, it sounds artificial in a way to deal with grief, but I think it's, it's wonderful something because dogs, cats, whatever brings you love, it's their, their love, you know? And like, I want to try and get him like to use as an anxiety dog for me, but he has way more anxiety than me. So I can't do it. There's, this is the material. I can feel it. (laughs) So Uh, is there a way that you could have the support human tags and he could ride (laughs) in first and he boards first? And yeah. then you go with him because he needs you. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Through Adam's Eyes, uh, which is a, a film you made in, at Temple and you won. Uh, I've never, like, I don't know who's seen it, but I'm very curious about that because I love Temple and I love film. Uh, how How is that experience? How do you love Temple University? Uh, Eddie Jones went there and he was my favorite basketball player. Holy crap. That's interesting. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Bill Cosby, you know, and he's, <laughs> he's my favorite role model. Um, so it's called sarcasm and, and horribleness, people. <laughs> They're going to take that and they hear that and then they think that's what I think because they're, <laughs> they just are dumb. 
because yeah. that's saying he's not the yeah. best role model. He actually uh, got a doctorate um, and only went for two years. He didn't uh, graduate. And I got a Bachelor of Arts and I, um, I made a film, an 11 minute film of my nephew who had his face reconstructed. And that's what Through Adam's Eyes was. It was an 11 minute black and white film. My nephew Adam was seven when he did, when he had surgeries um, on his ears, on his face. They, he didn't have enough bone structure. His bones were pulled down. So they took ribs out of his chest. They literally took his face off. Um, they took it off from the top and rebuilt the face. It was, um, it was a new technique. There was a doctor in France, Paul Tessier. I know you want to know all this. And he- um, I do actually. He, he pioneered it. And then Linton Whitaker at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia is who did the surgery. And he's in the movie and um, I was a film student. And then um, through different happenstance and people liking the film, uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences has, they have the Student Academy Awards every year. And um, I won a merit award for documentary. And it had been an award that some wonderful people had previously won. John Lasseter, um, of course, Pixar um, founder. He uh, won one the year before me. And Spike, jo Spike uh, Lee had won one. And Trey Parker had won one. Um, and so I, I got to meet a lot of people when I was 21 years old. And then I'm very proud of that movie. It got seen in Philly. It got seen, I think, a little bit more because Temple University does show it. It's, you know, it's not the best quality. It's 16 millimeter um, yeah. and sound, of course. Um, but it's, it's a, a thing that I'm proud of because my nephew narrated it. It's his film. I mean, he, all I did was have him, inter I interviewed him and used what he said as the narration for it. And it's, that's why it's through Adam's eyes and how he went. It's very casual, you know? He just says, I went, like you said to me, I have Asperger's. My nephew's like, I didn't have enough, you know, um, uh, bones on, in my face. And so they took my face off and they had to put bones in. And just how a, a person that's honest talks and kids talk pretty honest. Yeah. And so that's why there was always that show. Kids say the darndest things. No, adults say the damnedest things because kids are, they just say the truth usually. Yeah. Unless, unless they've learned how to be mean already, which you got to be taught to hate other people. So I and, believe in that too. Yeah. Yeah. And to criticize other people and, and, and to attack them and to, to bully that's taught. And it's because you got treated that way or you just became not as nice a person. So, you know, um, I wasn't raised that way. It was just so weird being a comedian. Cause I mean, I assume you've overcome and you overcome quite a bit with having Asperger's and being a comedian. Yeah. How did, how did you go through that? I know people that are listening know about it because it's um, your podcast. How did you, how do you overcome it? How did you overcome it? Well, I mean, it's kind of a sad story and like, so I got picked up. I, I, I would like a sad story because I love to laugh. 
Well, I got I got picked That's on a, joke. a lot. Uh, you're telling me you're trying to tell me something sincere, and I'm being a complete douche. No, no, no. I I couldn't even tell. Like I have Asperger's, so. <laughs> I think you uh, could tell a lot, by the way. I was trying to make you smile. You did. <laughs> um. So I got picked on a lot in school because I was very nonverbal, and um, when I did talk, I, I would talk in a, like in a bad in a way that is like people would make fun of you for talking like a squeaky voice or something, you know? And they, uh, they would try to replicate your voice. Yeah. Like they would like make jokes and make fun and, you know, they would call me retard and all that stuff. Oh, Jesus. And, yeah. And um, so I remember how I did com how I started comedy. I remember watching the young comedian specials with my dad and stuff. And uh, you know, America's home videos actually, I felt was like a, even though it wasn't a stand-up show, I felt it was more stand-up than Full House because you were telling jokes. Right. I was attempting to tell jokes. Yeah. So I would watch, I would like that. Those were the shows that I liked, you know what I mean? And so I walked by a mom and pop coffee shop house that said $20 for uh, open mic, best joke wins $20. And I signed up because <laughs> I thought if all these people were making fun of me, maybe I'm fine. I don't know. And I, I won the $20 and $20 for like a 14 year old kid is like a hundred dollars. That's amazing. You know? So then I just started doing comedy. At 14? You started at 14? That was my first time. Yeah. I didn't like continue doing it until college and stuff when I got better at talking and stuff. I see. Where'd you go to college? I went to Golden West and then Orange Coast College, sure. which is in Huntington Beach and Costa Mesa. Mm -hmm. so and yeah and then i started doing comedy and i just loved making people laugh i thought like that brought a lot of joy to me and then like the longer i did comedy the more i could talk and get you know vocalize and stuff and i went to a lot of speech therapy and stuff right. so i i feel like i look at myself because now i'm 33 like i want to be like a, a household name and i just like I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I still want to do comedy. That's why well, I like you, you have to you have to assume that it's happening and that you yeah. it's really the hardest thing to do and to learn. And I've gone through it my whole career, you know. You really have to just do it because you can definitely do it. I mean, yeah. I'm just talking to you right now, and I already sense that you're incredibly this is gonna sound really annoying, uh, incredibly <laughs> likable. Oh, and and honest and my god i mean if so you come out and you talk about asperger's once you get past all of that because that's that's the big that's the big piece of information that you're dropping on them yeah. and i'm i'm sure you got all the great jokes about it, it yeah. as upsetting as it would be but you get to get that message out you know uh which speaks for all the people that have it and then it also it brings people in because nobody gets out of this life without something and they can come into it with a big burden of shit and somehow get through it. But the fact that you get up and talk about it, my God, does then you'll just broaden it. You'll broaden it into just other stuff, which I'm sure you do anyway. You write stuff down. How do you go about it coming up with stuff? Well, yeah, like like the roast that I, I was watching last night, I, I actually wrote the jokes on the card. I wanted to tell them to you, but... <laughs> but It'll um, probably offend people all over again. <laughs> but, um, but, like, I will say one thing. Like, uh, that's why I, 
like my friendship with Norm is so like I cherish it a lot because he without him I would not have the opportunity to do stand-up I feel because he he put me he took me on the road he's given me some spots you know and he's he's helped me with my comedy and you know I'm influenced by him too you know so it's it's like uh touring with your mentor and your hero it's I feel it's the best dream come true you know that that is like the best thing I've heard all day yeah so that's really great he's um one of my favorite people and he's one of the funniest people so i'm really happy that you've had this experience with him now I, now you're gonna you know he, he would tell he's you he's probably you're, gonna listen to this because he i don't want to i want it to be a good interview because i don't want to like he's gonna be like oh, i'm never getting you another interview again I don't oh so, he, so you want to <laughs> talk bad about him <laughs> i can't think of one damn thing to say bad about him because oh, he's because no. you know he and I have an interconnectedness. I don't know what it is. I'll never know. But uh, when he was 17, at least that's how the story goes, I was in Ottawa at 21 or 22 years old playing in a club, and he was in the audience. He says that I'm the first comedian he ever saw. Norm um, was my first comedian I ever saw, too. So it's Where did you see him? Irvine Improv. Right, right. <laughs> I saw him in September 2008, and it was right after the roast actually got aired. And uh, my family's, like, pretty poor, and I remember uh, they got me tickets to go see him for my birthday, which is in July, but they were on sale. So that's how I, you know, met him. That's wonderful. Him. That's yeah. great for your family. So you have a supportive family, right? Yeah, yeah. So they go to the shows and stuff, and... Uh, that's wonderful, man. I had that with my parents. They were proud of me. We didn't have any money. I lived with my parents all through college. Uh, I was a deli clerk in a supermarket. I work uh, at Ralph's. That's good. Yeah, so uh, what what do you do there? I was a cashier, but then like my no filterness, I guess, got me a lot of complaints. So they moved me into the milk box. So now I throw milk. Which is art in a way because, like, you have to make it beautiful. You're saying you put it in the, the cages behind the milk? Yeah, like you take the milk out of the box and you put it on the shelf. And Right. Yeah. I was, I have something similar to that. I was a wet nurse for a while because I lactate. So I was breastfeeding. Uh, I would fill bottles with my breast milk. Just wanted to, that'll be your sound bite that you show when you, when you want people to hear this. Uh, yeah, I was, I cleaned fish, um, all through college. Um, so I'd smell like a hundred pounds of carp, you know, and bottom feeders and croakers and porgies and all these weird things. And I was a deli clerk and I bought film stock and I took a girlfriend out to dinner and, um, that's what I did. I lived at home. And then when I got out of college, I moved to LA from Philadelphia. So we didn't have any money. My parents barely could afford to send me to college and I lived at home, but my dad was, a you know, my parents were good people and supported yeah. me. And like you, you won that contest. I, I won a radio contest when I was 17 in Philly with a radio station, WMMR. And um, I sang a song about bondage. I was 17 years old singing a song about bondage. And then they want to know what happened to the dad on full house. It's like, 
his childhood <laughs> is what happened to him, you know? I found out about weirdo people and joked about it, you know? Um, all you got to do is do it. That's all you got to do. And find places where you can go up besides, I know because you're in the OC, there probably aren't a lot of open mic type places. Yeah. Whereas uh, in LA, there's a lot of open mic type that will be, ha they're now, most of them have been closed. So this year you didn't miss much. Well, I also co-book a comedy club in Huntington Beach. It only fits like 150 people. That's not only, that's a lot of people. I mean, there's yeah. people going out, working out in front of 25 or 50 at laundromats that are like the place to go to, you know? I've Those done are... a couple laundromat shows. Right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, directing too, because uh, you directed Dirty Work, obviously, and but you also directed Benjamin. How is it, how is it, as an artist, how is it like directing yourself while you're also acting? Like, I, In that particular project, I mean, and I, you love everything you direct because mm -hmm. it's like, no matter what, it's one of your kids, even if it doesn't turn out quite great. Um, I, you know, I had a very short, I have every note from my doctor on that one. I wish I'd directed it and not been Ed in the movie. Or been Ed and had a director and a different budget. And I mean, we had, we did it for no money and we did it in 15 days and it's hard. And everybody was so great. The cast was so giving and wonderful. So I have no regrets. I just know I would have done a couple things different, um, which maybe would have waited. Maybe I would have waited and tried to get it till I had more money budgeted so we could have shot it more uh, and a few more days would have really helped us but all in all the cast is so good you know it's yeah. um rob cordry and kevin pollack and maryland rice cub i and, love maryland uh, oh she, i just did a movie with her in the cayman islands uh right now it's called blue iguana but i think it's going to be called killing daniel and we just shot it during covid and there's no covid in the cayman islands because they put you in jail if you leave quarantine so oh. there's, there's no cases of it. There's 75,000 people and there is zero COVID. And they followed protocols. The crew wore masks, even though it was very hard. It was 100 degrees out and we were shooting outside a lot yeah. and inside without air conditioning. But that was, Mary Lynn is, and she was just on my podcast. She's so wonderful and so funny. And she's got a big Chris Pratt movie coming out in July on yeah. Amazon big like a two hundred million dollar movie. she followed me on twitter a couple months ago i was like yeah. oh that's awesome you're <laughs> happening you're happening now this is all happening this is all honestly look i'm telling you just do it just yeah. just hey i hate to i don't know where nike got that slogan but from you obviously bob's thank you for knowing that <laughs> i came up with most of the world's you know, just be. I yeah. came up with that. Uh, I did I, my research. I, I I studied hard. You did. I, you are a young Skywalker, but you are going to follow. And I see that you're drinking a diet soda. Those are the best things we can drink. Diet Those Pepsi, the, yeah. They go right into the, the, it's good. I think they're good in case like you eat a nail or something. Cause like you could put a nail in diet Pepsi and it dissolves it. So oh. nothing wrong. 
Yeah. So I think it's good. And if there's a nail in your stomach, it'll eat it. Yeah. You know, so it'll dissolve I, my heart too. I would recommend if you're worried to get the, yeah, your heart, we need to take care of. We need you to live a, a long life is what yeah. we need. At least till next year. So I could open for you at Irvine. More than next year. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, you're going to, and I can't wait to have you open the night. I'm not oh. kidding. Oh, that would be awesome. But you might be on the road. You don't know what's going to happen. Do you want to go on the road? Do you want to do that? More than anything. Yeah. Like, uh, I've done the road a couple of times with Norm and I've, I think I've only done Vegas and Arizona with him, but like, I'd like to go on the road. Well, the way to do it is to build a longer act and work out different components of it. So you get 10 minutes here, 10 minutes. Wait, well, yeah, if you have your comedy club, yeah. if, I, if I were you, I would build a half hour as soon as you can. And then I'll build 45 and then I, I already have an hour special that I did. So what, what's the name <laughs> of it? It's called Keith Reza Make It Happen. I could send it to you if you want. Well, I'm gonna find it. Is it oh. findable? I'm gonna I'm going on your thing. I'm gonna oh. follow you after this. Oh, awesome. It's on yeah, it's yeah. on YouTube. Okay. I'm yeah. gonna watch it because oh, awesome. Because that's all it is is make a fucking name for yourself, you know? Yeah. Just do it. Just that's why I called it Make It Happen. Right. So well, that See, is like original. this is weird. We're having this conversation of making it happen, yet I have a special. That's a, a great name, by the way. Oh. And it's it's also where we're kind of at. Anybody that's trying to help anybody out of this time we're going through, that is pretty shitty that we've all lived through, that we're still living through as things open up. Um, and it doesn't mean it's going to go away, you know, but people, whatever, all this people, you know, I had the audience and I said, how many of you have had the vaccine? And like one audience was half and half. Another audience was like 15% of the audience raised their hand. One guy couldn't raise his hand because he just had it that day. But, um, but it's, it's interesting because people may not want to get it. And that has to do with whether we can do it. Because if, if people get sick again, and the numbers go up, they're going to close it down again. So we don't want that to happen. So No, definitely not. And right. the vaccine works. I just talked to Dr. John LaPook for two hours and 10 minutes on my podcast. So, uh, I, you know. I, I'm we, vaccinated. I got the, the not the Johnson Johnson one, the other one. Moderna? No, Pfizer. Pfizer's good. They make Viagra. So you might have had an erection the whole time. Uh, I have two more quick questions. I do really want to respect your time. Uh, the, about Dirty uh, Dirty Daddy, what was it like uh, writing a book about yourself during, you know, because like a lot of comic books, not comic books, comedians who write books, you know, they're either great or they're just, they just fall flat. And I thought yours was just great, kind of like Artie Lang's, you know. Thanks, so. man. Thank you. Well, I went like, I don't, I don't think it's time to write a memoir, but it was one. Uh, and it was also free associative. When I wrote it, you do a book talk, you know, you go on a book tour. And so I went and did the 92nd Street Y in New York and John Oliver moderated it. And it was before, it was one week before last week tonight came out on HBO. Oh. So um, I'd been a fan of his work. I adored him. I just thought he was great. And 
he talks about animals a lot, you know, and talks about sexual things with animals. When he's not doing politics, he goes, weaves into animals, you know? A lot of us do. Norm has some real funny animal stuff as well. You know, Norm can pretty much talk about anything and make it funny or serious too. He's interesting that way. Has he ever told you his joke about his uh, dad being at, uh, dead and he's at his coffin? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I've, I've seen him do it. So I want a sandwich? He's, I don't know. I got this dead guy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that's the kind of stuff that I, I am drawn to because, and that's what Dirty Daddy was about. Yes, I'd like to change the title today. Yes, there's a couple things in it I would change. But that's true of a lot of people's work, you know. Mm. But, you know, and some of it is so funny. Some stuff that's bit me in the ass over the years is because I wrote it in the book. It's like I put things in the book and then say in the book, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. That was in poor taste. But they don't put that part. They yeah. just put the part where I say I did this because uh, people want to hear stuff. So instead of talking about other people and saying what they did wrong, uh, which is what a lot of people do. They write books and they bash other people. I bashed myself and said, I shouldn't have done this and that. And then instead of people going, wow, what, that's honest. You know, he's admitting that he's done some inappropriate, not inappropriate, uh, bad taste humor, yeah. you know, bad taste humor, um, inappropriate in terms of, yeah, I shouldn't have told anybody. I shouldn't have done it whatever it's not the, the things that i've done are not things that affect other human beings they affect other human beings when other people put it in social media that's how they affect other human beings but it yeah. doesn't i've never been anyone that wanted to hurt anybody i wanted to be a doctor but i was too busy being a deli clerk and being stupid so i couldn't well i'm so glad you weren't a doctor because i think you're a great comedian and you're nice you know, so. And I would have been a murderer as a doctor. I think. <laughs> like the guy from Saw or whatever. Not that kind of murder. I just think I would have been mal. Is Saw? Is there malpractice in Saw? Yeah, Doctor Gordon. He he like puts the. I don't know if you watch the movies, but uh, I can't watch those because they. I'm yeah. too affected by them. Yeah. Well, Doctor Gordon, who was the the doctor, he he ends up in the long time being the bad guy the entire time. It was like seven movie twists. I don't know. It was, I liked it only because like, I like movies. Right. <laughs> but I That's wanted to, so speaking funny. of movies, I wanted to ask you, because uh, whenever I ask Norm, he kind of dodges around this question. So I just wanted a straight answer from you. Is Dirty Work 2 coming? I can't say, uh, but I can say that there are talks. Awesome. And, and there's, there's a little more than talks, but we're not there yet. Um, in fact, as soon as we're done here, I'm calling Norm <laughs> on many levels awesome. to tell him how great you are and to thank him for hooking me up with you and to talk about the thing that we can't talk about. Awesome. Well, I, I have like a great idea. So for Dirty Work too, if you ever want to like throw me in as a writer or a co-writer. That could know. be something, you know, because yeah. even though there might be a script right to the right of me, I, I, <laughs> so there's no reason why we can't add to the fun. Uh, <laughs> there goes my you, don't, don't tell me on here. Do you want to tell me on here what your pitch is? Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, I, uh, 
So Sam's sister, Sam is already laying for the folks at home. Right. Uh, Sam's sister has breast cancer and he calls on Mitch to say, I her love it. Cause he, she needs, oh, a new sorry. she needs a new breast, you know? Right. So she calls Mitch to get dirty work back. So they, they, they get back together to make enough money for her new breast, but they're, they realize that Travis Cole has set up another dirty work company. So they're competing with Travis Cole. That's an interesting premise. And it's to get her abreast. So that you bring all the women viewers with that one. Yeah. That's called I, sarcasm, everybody. That's, I don't know. I don't know. I think breast cancer, it might be. Um, maybe it's a little too, but like that was just a. Well, it's coming from a, but it's coming from a writer that has Asperger's. So you're talking, you know, but you're talking about putting a disease out there and yet trying to make light of something that is incredibly serious. Um, I have many friends that have had breast. I have a friend right now who has breast cancer and is getting treated. Um, so that's the question. Is that the right premise? But it, it, the idea is someone in the family, Mitch's family, needs something else, like Jack Warden needed a heart. Yeah. my Bob, my sister's coming home real fast, so I don't uh, – this might be a good time to wrap things up because I That's don't fine my... by me. Well, tell her – Danny Tanner says hi. How old's your sister? Uh, she's 20 – Stephanie, how old are you? 24, 25? She's 27. Well, tell her I just respectfully said hello. And uh, um, I really enjoyed it. Hey, how are you? That's nice to see you. you. You too. Thanks. <laughs> That's my sister, Stephanie. Uh, so, That's Bob, cool. where can the folks follow you on Twitter or social media? Just at my name. And, it, you know, B O B S A G E T. And it's S A G E T. I've had a rough childhood with my name. <laughs> So, you know, people, I've been bullied a lot. Isn't that weird? I still get bullied. Yeah. Six, almost 65 years old and they freaking bully me. I don't get it. But now but, you're, you're a comedian. So you take all those life experiences and you, you punch them back. I kind of do, but I don't want to punch them back because they're, they're not damaged. like giving them a bloody nose, giving them a, a laugh attack. I could, a laugh attack. The best, <laughs> actually the best revenge is entertaining somebody. Because yeah. then they go, like, oh, wait, that, that made me laugh. Uh, okay, I can't hate him. Or, oh, all that shit's not true about him? Oh, oh I'll still hate him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, it was, it, was a, it was an honor talking to you. And, like, I, I honestly feel we're, we're friends now. So We, like, we are friends. We know each other. Yeah. And uh, you will be opening up when I do Irvine. And, oh, um, and I'll say, don't go over five. And you'll go, boy, is he an asshole? And then... Um, hey, even if you gave me three minutes, time is time. Making, making three is not enough. In between, you get a minute and change. But up front, you, you got to do a set. But just yeah. keep doing the set in Huntington. Just do it. You got the plays. Just do it. Yeah, come, come down and do it sometime. I don't think I'm going to do that. But uh, <laughs> I'm just being honest with you because I don't like to leave the house that much. I don't even want to go to the comedy store when it opens up, but I probably will. But I need you to be- You live right by it. the store? No. No. Um, I'll give you my exact address when we're best friends. Uh, <laughs> you know, right now we're friends. We're not best friends. But I really appreciate you having me on here. And I, I'll, we'll be seeing each other. And I can't wish you, I wish you so much good stuff, man. 
And Bob, thank you so much for saying yes. You really cheered me up today and I appreciate it. Well, you cheered me up too, by the way. Thank you. And anything I said that could make me look bad, just make it louder when it when it comes out in the podcast or cut it out so people will enjoy it. Uh, I, thought, I thought everything you said was great. I thought uh, it was, see, that's why I like podcasting because it's not like the a late night panel where you only get eight minutes of trying, you know, it's a real, right. real uh, getting to know someone as an artist. And, you know, I think, like, honestly, like, I think this is a good, great episode. And like I said, I feel we're friends. Like, I could say, yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable with Bob Saget, you know? Like, I get to talk to him. We get to talk. Thank yeah. you, man. Thank you. Have a great day, Bob. And thank you, you for too. making me smile. Oh, God, you're killing me, man. Thank you. Right. Thanks. I'm really happy I did this. Thanks for having me. Okay. I got to go tell Norm that it was a good, good show. I'm going to tell him listen. first. <laughs> go talk to your sister. I'm going to call Norm. All right. Bye, Bob. Have a great take, day. You take care. Bye. I'll talk to you. All right. Bye. And that was my interview with Bob Saget, guys. Subscribe, rate, and review. What a great show. And uh, I appreciate it, guys. See you next time. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith If you enjoyed the show, please... Send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.